a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to this week's episode of the It's 2001 Podcast. I'm Max alongside Steve Bartle with you as always. Um, Weber State Wildcats, the game, it happened. It finally happened. Rice-Eccles Stadium actually had fans in attendance for the first time since 2019. But before we go any further, we must thank our beloved sponsors, Nate Wade Subaru, 2107 South Main Street, Salt Lake City. Just around the corner from downtown, if you're driving a Subaru, you're trying to get into a new 2020 model, they're after used cars. And uh, there's a deal going on where if you give them a call, go down to the shop and speak to them about it in more detail, you could potentially trade in your older version and get into a newer model for the same price, sometimes even lower price than what you're paying right now. So don't be a fool. Head on down. Give them a call. Tell them we sent you. They'll look after you. And um uh, and they're good people. We like those people. Uh, check Steve out while we're here on Twitter at sbartle247. His work can also be found at utezone.com. I'm at tomcantshackett or kslsports.com. Steve, welcome. Dude, we played yep. football last yeah. night. Yeah, man. It was uh, pretty wild. Pretty wild. It, um, a- it actually happened, Steve. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was pretty cool. It was good to be back in there, um, <clears throat> taking in, you know, the Ken Garf Red Zone, the New South End Zone, and everything. Like it was pretty cool to be back at Rice Eccle Stadium, to be back with fans in the stands. Like it was, it was an awesome, awesome experience last night. Uh, so I need to confess something, Steve. Oh, what's that? Uh, so. Um... For those people that listen that don't know me personally, uh, I am late. I am a late arriver. My wife is even a uh, an even later arriver, and that's just who we are. And it's uh, we don't mean to uh, offend anybody. We don't mean to um, prioritize our lives over anybody else's. We're just late, and um, and that's just who we are. And and we're, we're we're apologetic for it, and we do everything we can in our power to try and. And change, but for whatever reason, we haven't made it that far yet, and we're just still late. So, yesterday, we had tickets to the game. I was going to attend the game. I actually was going to attend a, a Utah football game without having any work obligations for, I think, the first time since 2016 before I did radio on ESPN 700 full-time. It was I was excited. We have a child. He's one and a half. His name is Freddie, and we were taking Freddie to a Utah football game to experience the madness. And we were really excited about the opportunity. So we are late as per, as per usual, standard procedure over here. And um, <laughs> we park in the Harvard Yale neighborhood and we proceed to walk 
over to the stadium. And uh, this is like around 5.30. It's like right around kickoff. So we were probably going to show up about midway through the first quarter. And I know in the past I've vented and uh, and have told Utah fans it's pathetic they show up late. And I'm going to apologize right here for that rant because I was late last night. So now I will never do that again. I apologize. That's on me. <laughs> Anywho, we get to the bottom of Guardsman and we find a, uh, a cyclist that has, you know, the seats on the back. And we're like, yo, hey, oh, man, nice. can we get a ride? He's like, yeah, 15 bucks. I'm like, sweet. And at this point, it's like starting to drizzle. But we're like, oh, no big deal. It's just a little, little bit of water. Water's not going to. Anyway, we get to uh, about halfway up Guardsman, probably right about opposite the Utah football facility where that new golf facility is located now. And it is peltering with hail at this point. Uh, yeah. Freddie is screaming. We're trying to protect him with, uh, my wife had a, uh, like a rain jacket. Don't ask me why she brought that. She must've looked at the weather radar and not told me I had nothing. <laughs> uh, so we had this rain jacket in front of Freddie and he's screaming and we're just trying to like protect ourselves, but we're more concerned about him, obviously. And it got to a point, Steve, where we had to tell the cyclist, Hey, can you pull over? We, we got to find shelter. Because it was a, a cyc- it was a bike that didn't have any, you know, the seats in the back, but it didn't have any shelter. And we're like, hey, we can't oh, go away. We can't go any further. We have to pull over. So we pull over. I pay this guy 15 bucks for a ride that went about 150 meters. And we find shelter. And it didn't stop for like, nope. I, I don't know, an hour. And, and so like 20, 30 minutes into the oh, whole thing, man. it's like half an hour. You know, every time this is a, there's a lightning strike nearby, it's a half an hour delay. And I'm like, this game's not going to get started for, you know, an hour and a half. And we are saturated. So, Steve, I must confess, I uh, ran back to the car, um, jumped in the car, picked up Freddie and my wife. We, we, we went back to the house. We, we got into some dry clothes and we proceeded to go over to a friend's house and watch the game. I, I did not end up making the game. I, I, and I apologize uh, if it weren't for our one and a half year old. I think we would have pushed through. But uh, it just, you know, yeah. it wasn't going to happen, it, you know, because he would have gotten cold and then he probably would have woken up this morning with a sniffle. And next thing next thing we know, we would, would have had to go and get him a COVID test, even though we know he just had a cold. <laughs> and it's like, no, we're not going to do any of that. Yeah. Let's just stop. So I didn't. The, 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 the long story here is I, I didn't make it, Steve. I, I really <laughs> wish I had been there because I was excited to see the stadium. But I obviously yeah. watched on television and it looked spectacular. And I'm proud. I want to say this, Steve. I am very, very proud, as I'm sure you are as well, of all of the Utah fans that stuck around and uh, and returned yeah. to their seats because um, because I know a few people ended up leaving, but there was a there was a large, large chunk of people that returned and stuck it out. So I congratulate yeah. all of them for whoever they may be. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and we'll obviously talk football here in, in just a little bit, but that, so it, I can't remember exactly when, but Weber State had just scored a, uh, a touchdown off a kickoff return, and they kicked the field goal, and that's when they called the game, and it was early in the first quarter, and so, like you said, Tom, like every lightning strike, it's 30 minutes from that point, and so... You know, where we're at in the press box, I was obviously, I was nice and dry. Yeah. Like, sorry to the Ute fans listening. Like, I was, <laughs> I <laughs> I got enough flack for it on Twitter, I think, last night. But I was in the press box, and, um, you know, they've got the, uh, they had like, I don't know, they had like the lightning guy, I guess is what we'll call him. They had the lightning guy, the official lightning guy monitoring, 
you know, the forecast and he had this little clock that he had to reset every time there was a, a lightning strike in the area. It was an eight mile radius is what it was. Right. Okay. So like, you know, I, I, I put down, you know, the Ute zone cap and I put on my, you know, weather forecast cap and, you know, I was live tweeting uh, all the updates and it was, it was wild because I had people like messaging me on Twitter saying like, Hey, thank you for these updates. Like it's, this is wild. Like we're, we need as much, you know, info on this as, as possible. So oh, wow. you know, to your point. Yeah. You put your, you put your bloody KSL five chief right. meteorologist, Kevin Eubank cap on and went to work, baby. I did. I did. Yeah. I'm coming for his job now, uh, basically. Nice. So watch out, Mr. Eubanks. Um, but anyways, like, you know, to your point, Tom, like credit to the fans that, that stuck around and even to those that, that showed up and, and, you know, didn't stick around. Like, um, you know, it, it's understandable. 530 kickoff on a Thursday, you know, before Labor Day weekend, it's always tough, these 530 kicks. And then with the weather, you know, it was tough. So it wasn't a packed crowd. And hopefully that changes this season. Hopefully we get a packed crowd in that new, um, new, you know, stadium with the south end zone because it will be really really cool to kind of hear um how much better you know the acoustics will be in in that and and just how how much louder it's going to get with that with the the south end zone you know now closed up and and everything so you know that whole weather delay was pretty wild but but credit to the fans like you said tom that stuck around stuck it out through the rain through the lightning and uh and stuck around for uh for the game man it was that was a wild wild experience for sure yeah if that's um any if that's any you know sort of precursor to what utah fans can expect this season it's going to be a wild ride and i can't yeah, I wait hope for not. It. uh yeah i i just love yeah i just love unexpected uh events i i, I don't know i think it adds to the drama and to the theater and um, you know, to be perfectly frank, Steve, look, I, I, I didn't think, um, despite being down 7-3 when the lightning strike first occurred, you know, I, I, I still didn't think Weber State was going to beat Utah by any stretch of the imagination. But, but let's start here. The lightning strike did come at a pretty good time for Utah football, obviously. The, the shock of the 100-yard kickoff return probably would have rattled Kyle. And, and, and they came, look, they came out much better offensively. That, yeah. that first series... Uh, they moved the football, but they were unable to convert in the red zone. And then, of course, the the next series back, they um they they ended up scoring seven. So um, let's start big yeah. picture, Steve, and then we can dive into more of a specific more of the specifics. But but big picture for you, what what was you what were, what were your takeaways? Well, I think for me, you know, the the big takeaway from this game uh, revolves around the quarterback position, and and you know, just because you know, it is the most important position on the team. And it's received a lot of um, discussion, a lot of, um, you know, uh, coverage this off season because of, you know, Utah bringing in Charlie Brewer, having Cameron rising, coming back from his injury, the fall camp battle and, and what that was like. And uh, so, you know, I think all eyes were on the quarterback position and I think for the most part, Charlie Brewer kind of aced this, this opening test. Um, there were some misses, uh, there were some misfires, some drops, some poor throws, but man, there were a lot of really nice throws, a lot of, you know, plays where Brewer showed 
he just had that calm presence about him. Like he just stood back in the pocket, standing tall, going through his reads, going through his progressions. He found you know multiple receivers. I think um, seven different receivers, tight ends, uh, caught a pass last night. So you know it was pretty cool to see that. And I think you know for a lot of fans, there was a lot of curiosity, a lot of maybe even concern that the quarterback position wasn't going to um, wasn't going to live up to, you know, the, the, I guess the hype that it received this off season, you know, which is understandable after what happened last year with Jake Bentley. But I think, you know, Charlie Brewer came out um, and, you know, it, obviously it's, it's Weaver state, uh, but he did what he needed to do and he went out and executed and, you know, got a lot of guys involved and had some nice chunk plays you know, along the way and um, did some good things. So for me, you know, it starts starts with the quarterback position, Tom. Yeah, no, I, to, to echo your comments, Steve, I, I thought Brewer was composed. Uh, he throws a clean yeah. ball uh, and he was hitting receivers in stride, which is something Utah fans probably haven't experienced since 2019. Now it's it's been two years. Um, Tyler Huntley was, was pretty good at, at going through progressions and, and making the appropriate read and then obviously executing the throw. But, but last year wasn't, wasn't the case. Unfortunately, but 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 Charlie Brewer showcased last night against um, an, an FCS opponent, albeit uh, the ability yeah. to to hit receivers in stride. Um, Steve, while we're, while we're talking about receivers, I think it's only fair we we we, we comment and discuss the maybe the best unknown secret in all of college football that's no longer a, a secret. Utah has to have one of the better tight end groups. In the entire country, they have got three seriously good. You could even say four to, with Thomas Yasmin if he can kind of sort himself out yeah. as an athlete. They, they've got a really, really good crop of tight ends this year. And I've always, always been a fan of the tight end position. I've always felt like there's a mismatch there when when you have a good tight end at your disposal. If if the opposing defense puts a linebacker on a tight end, the linebacker should be faster uh, or fast enough to uh, to find space, and if they put a safety down into the box onto a linebacker, oh, sorry, onto a tight end, they should be bigger, and they should be able to yeah. outmuscle a safety. So Utah, Steve, looks really, really solid at the tight end position. Dalton Kincaid is something to behold, and I know you've been very, very fond and highly uh, and have highly regarded Dalton Kincaid. You must have uh, been thrilled uh, watching in the press box. Uh, his performance last night. Yeah, no, absolutely, Tom. I was super excited for Dalton Kincaid. I think, um, I think there's another podcast out there that's uh, going to be uh, featuring him on their their podcast coming soon. We won't talk about it on this podcast. Steve, though, you but, can know, uh, Steve. Steve, this is, this is <laughs> we are one big happy family here. Please, is it the Blockcast Pod? Yeah. Are you? Yeah, are so. you? Are you and Big Brownie bringing that back? Who else is in the Blockcast Pod? By the way. Uh, so it's me, Brown Bear, and then Cameron Beck. Uh, and so right. we are, you know, right now we're just really big fans of Dalton Kincaid. So uh, that's that's all. I, yeah, yeah. So we're we're super, we were super excited to watch him. And I think you know, to your point, Tom, like the fact that you know Utah has a known quantity in Brant Keithy. You know, you've got a reliable guy in, in Cole Fotheringham you know, who's more of a traditional tight end. He had a, you know, he just missed a touchdown catch 
Um, and so that's, that was, that was kind of a, that was kind of a, a, a disappointing, you know, thing that happened last night. He had an opportunity for a touchdown and, you know, just missed it. But, um, but pretty, so you've got those coverage. two. And, pretty good coverage yeah, though. Yeah. Like it wasn't good wide ball, open. It wasn't a TJ know. pledger drop, was it? Right. No, it was just, just beyond his outstretched arms. If I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you've got those two and now you've got Dalton Kincaid who comes out game one, four receptions, 75 yards with a long of 35, you know, and this is a guy where, you know, he beat, he just ran by the safety and coverage for that 35 yard play, you know, on a little slot fade type of a route. And then he had another, a little corner route into the end zone, you know, where he made a, an acrobatic um, catch getting his toes in bounds before going out of bounds. Um, and just so he really, really came out. It was a coming out party uh, for Dalton Kincaid. And, and then, you know, you mentioned Thomas Yasmin. It was, it was kind of exciting to see his involvement on the very first possession of the game for Utah. He, I think he had a catch uh, for, for a few yards. And then he also, he took a jet sweep handoff, which, you know, that was pretty cool. We've seen that before with Brant Keithy. And I think, you know, Thomas Yasmin has received a lot of talk about just, you know, he's he's arguably one of the best athletes on the team. You know, we're talking a 6'5", 250-pound just workout machine, a brute that just has incredible athleticism. And with his background in rugby, you know, it makes a lot of sense to get him involved in something like, you know, a little jet sweep or something like that. So that was, you know, he didn't gain – uh, he didn't gain met much yardage, but it was just, it was cool to see him on the field. Good to see, you know, him get some touches um, just because I think a lot of people have been um, wanting to see him more involved because of his potential. And so, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see, but, but yeah, Tom, I think, you know, Utah showcased that they've got arguably the best tight end group in the PAC 12 and one of the best in the entire country. It was it was a really impressive display last night. No, no kidding. Uh, Cole Fotheringham didn't end up um, with a reception in the end. He he did have a chance to to, to score a touchdown, but um, was unable to come down with. But he, here's what I'll say, and I, I guess I want to get this off my chest now. Um, it, it was the first game of the season. I know the expectations right. are, are always high, um, but 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 you have to expect. You just have to expect that there are going to be mistakes made. Catches are going to be dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, the offensive line isn't going to you know, open up holes and gaps um, like maybe they will in a month's time. It's just it, ha- it you have to expect that it's been quite some time. You know, what is it? Eight months, probably nine months even since they've they've strapped up the helmets and put the pads on to take on a team uh, that, that that isn't themselves in, in, in practice. And so um, and so, you know, I, I think. I think the showing last night was um, was solid, and I know Carl Woody yeah. was frustrated after the game and said, you know, that there are there are a ton of things that they still need to work on. But that that's almost the case every year. To be to be perfectly mm. fair, you know, I can't remember a season that I was involved in, or or a season that that I've seen since being in the states. You know, I got here now in in two thousand and twelve, and can't really remember a time maybe outside of that um, opening game against Michigan where, where Utah played pretty well. That would have been back in 2015, I think. And um, yeah, but just about every single year there are, there are, there are mistakes that are made in the opening week. 
why the NCAA doesn't allow practice matches to take place or or even just practices yeah. against uh, opposing in-state teams it bewilders me. I just I don't understand. But um, but I guess that that, that conversation could be saved for another time because. Utah, Utah is unable to uh, to, to practice or, or or suit up and play against other teams until the the opening game. Um, right, and so and so that's okay. You know, it, it's all right. It's, it's fr- it can be frustrating, but they got the win, and um and they played quite well. You know, despite maybe a few errors here and there. But I have no doubt that uh, that they'll be cleaned up throughout the course of this week and and weeks going forward. Um, Solomon yeah. Edis, Steve, four receptions, 62 yards, an average of 15 and a half. He had a touchdown. He had a long for 24. He showed up last night, and he was obviously one of the big talking points throughout the offseason, whether or not it, you know Solomon Edis can step up to the plate and be that number one receiver on the outside for Utah. And it certainly looked like last night that, that he may be capable. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you, Tom. I think you know he, he really kind of came up big and had some nice opportunities, had some nice you know, plays. Um, and, you know, it was awesome to, to see him, you know, get in the end zone to have the four receptions. I think that may be the, the, the highest number of receptions he's had in the single game in, in his, in his entire career, which, you know, that's super exciting for him because, you know, there's been a lot of talk. There's been a lot of worry that he would be, you know, a guy that potentially looks to transfer, um, and, and so to see him get involved early on, um, you know, with four grabs, 60 something yards and a touchdown, like I think the fan base really, really enjoyed seeing that. And Solomon, too, like, you, you know, you got to feel like, ah, yes, like, uh, you know, stuck around and all of that. Like it's it, it had to feel good for him, really good for him to to have that kind of night, um, you know, and, and Tom, like going back to, to one of your points, um you know, about Weber state, like this is a a tough, this is a tough team. This is a disciplined team. Like it's an FCS opponent. Yes. And so there's certainly, you know, a difference, you know, in terms of the talent that you're bringing into the program, but Jay Hill, man, like he's a good coach and he gets these guys, you know, playing tough defense. They're a disciplined, you know, team that they're going to limit big plays. And, and we, and and then, you know, they're going to force you to, to grind it out. And, that's exactly what we saw last night was, you know, they made it hard for Utah. Like, yeah, Utah still won by, you know, 23 points. And it, it could have been even bigger. It could have been a 37, maybe even, you know, a 44 point win. You know, if you get if you get those those two receptions in the end zone with Cole and TJ Pledger, and then maybe you punch it in on that fourth and one, you know, that's 21 points that, that Utah left on the field. And so, you know, to get a win like this, 40 to 17, it's it's a good win against a tough, physical and disciplined, you know, team, especially on defense. Um, and so, you know, it's it, it's a it's a good it was a good test for them. Um, it was something to it was just it was good to get to see them get back out there. Um, but still like Utah was just, they just made, you know, they, they did what they needed to do, make more plays, get the win. And, you know, with BYU coming up next week, like in a lot of ways, like this is, this is kind of the perfect kind of game, right? For if you're coach Whittingham, like this is the perfect kind of game, um, where, 
you know, you, you get the win, you get it, you know, a 23 point margin. You don't cover the spread necessarily, but it's still, it's a 23 point win, three score, three score margin there. Um, but it's, there was a ton of mistakes, you know, procedural mistakes where guys just aren't checked in mentally. Um, you know, there was a fumble. Uh, and so th- this is stuff that, you know, Whittingham is now going to be able to use, you know, the next few days in practice as they gear up for BYU. And so, you know, and obviously you would love to see every team come out and, and execute flawlessly. Um, but that doesn't always necessarily you know, translate to better play down the road. Somebody brought this up on our, on our youth zone board, but I think it was, it wasn't the last time that they played Weber state in 2018, but I think it was the time before Utah beat Weber state 70 to seven in that game, you know, just, just took them out to the woodshed and, and put it on them. And I think they ended up with a five and seven record. And so it just goes to show that, you know, game one, you know, it, it's we we learned a, a good deal about this team, but in in another sense, we didn't learn you know a whole lot about this team either. I think the progress that we see from you know last night to next Saturday, I think is is going to be really really interesting to to see, and that will give us a better idea of what to expect moving forward through the rest of the season. Without question, um, do do you think? Do you think Utah opened up much of its playbook, Steve, or, or was it was it a pretty conservative play calling night for Andy Ludwig? In your opinion, oh, bro, they they chucked it around twenty nine times. Are you kidding me? Like, when was the last time we saw Utah? I guess you know twenty eighteen. They threw it, I think, what uh, forty one times. You know, against Weber State. So you know, I don't know, but no, like I think. I think they, they had a goal in mind. They wanted to showcase uh, an improved passing game. Um, but I still think like a lot of this was, was pretty, you know, it was fun. It was exciting. It was cool to see Utah come out, you know, initially five wide set an empty set and take a deep shot. Like that was, that was cool to see. And so like I, they, they did enough to like wet the palate, you know, for, for a lot of fans who want to see, you know, less vanilla offense and more exotic stuff. But I think they still kept it pretty simple, you know, with with some of the things that, you know, these wide receivers can do. You know, we saw a lot of the same routes. We saw – I saw Theo Howard run, you know, a deep dig like four times last night. Solomon Enos, you know, running a, a little slant, a, a, a deep crosser. Like, it was very simple stuff. And, you know, it's it's exciting because you can add – options down the road on these plays which uh will will keep things you know um keep things you know just progressing and and you're you're adding options onto play so you know in a way it was it wasn't just vanilla you know but it it was it was still pretty pretty basic yeah i i guess if if there was any if there was any serious concern you know, a lot of fans pointed towards the offensive line, um, yeah. and I guess, I guess you know, there is some, there is some concern there. But my my problem, and my problem, I guess for a while now is is, is and and again, it it must just be my my naivety towards the the challenges that an offensive line has to deal with. But 
it generally takes at Utah anyway. It generally takes a couple games for that offensive line starting five uh, to really hit its stride. And, and so it's not like last night was really any different to previous seasons. Um, but they were without a few of their guys, which which mm-hmm. may may have played a role. Um, but I guess what you know, what would you tell fans, Steve, that that are somewhat concerned about the offensive line uh, moving forward? Yeah, I think so. You know, watching the offensive line last night, like I think we we saw progress from certain individuals. Braden Daniels was was a guy that uh, really really impressed me initially, and then and then as I went back and kind of rewatched some things, like he was he had a, a really good game, and I think that he's come into this season with a different mindset. I think he's kind of realized where he's at in his game and, and has taken a, a good step forward. I think so. I hope to see him continue to play it at that kind of level moving forward. Um, but I think, you know, there were, there were two guys noticeably absent from the offensive line and that was Jaron Kump and that was Sata Oalaomea who was uh, the, you know, both of those guys played on the right side last year, Laomea inside and Kump on uh, at tackle. And so, uh, you know, it was good to see the offensive line. They played well. Um, last night, I think they, I want to say that they limited pressures really, 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 really efficiently. I think they only allowed a few, a handful of pressures that kind of impacted the play, um, which, you know, that's, that's a very, very encouraging sign. They were pretty good in pass protection last night. So that was encouraging. There were some, some good moments in the run game as well. Um, you know, when, when Tavion Thomas had those big runs, the offensive line, you know, had some had some big blocks, had some 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 moments where they created a lot of movement up front to, you know, create a, a scene for him. And and so uh, it's just a matter of you know becoming more consistent with those you know high level plays, plays where you generate movement up front, where you 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 protect the quarterback for you know longer than four three four seconds. So it's just it's just building consistency, but I think you know with with the two guys out that I mentioned and, and Laumea and Kump, um, you know saw some good signs from the group that played last night. But we the the group that's really going to lead Utah where they need to go this season, um, it has to have Kump and it has to have Laumea in it because those two are really good players, and and so getting those guys back. Uh, is going to be super helpful and beneficial for the line moving forward. Is there is there any timeline on, on their return? Do you have any idea? Uh, has there been any indication? Yeah. yeah. So I've I've actually heard in regards to Comp, I've heard he's actually progressed um, faster than anticipated um, initially, uh, and so he, there's hope that they can get both back by next week. So. Uh, we'll see with the, the the extra time between you know last night and and Saturday next Saturday um, you know we'll see where they're at in in about ten days time so uh, but yeah we're it sounds like there's there's hope I don't want to call it optimism just yet but there's hope that they both can return um, next week. 
Um, we knew going into the Weber State game that that all four running backs were going to see carries. We just didn't quite know what what sort of workload each tailback was was going right. to undertake. But but yeah, is it fair of me to to assume at this point, Stephen? I get it. It's it's still really early in the season. Um, we've only played one game, and it was against Weber State. With all due respect, but but is is the order does the order look something like Tavion Thomas? As the lead guy, he led with 12 carries. And then you'd, you'd have to assume Micah Bernard's got to be the, the second in line. He had six and looked really quite explosive. And then it's a toss-up between Pledger and, and, and Curry fighting kind of for, for the third string there. But, but I have to assume, you know, even if the order stays the same and Tavion and Micah received the bulk of the carries next Saturday against BYU, Pledger and Curry are still probably going to find snaps in and amongst it all right I mean that there's still a certain yeah. competition going on at the running back but there is starting it's starting to look and feel like there is separation occurring and Tavion Thomas is going to be the lead back for the foreseeable future yeah no I I, I, I agree with you Tom I think um you know seeing the running back group seeing you know not only just kind of the carries but just the snap count yeah. Um, for each of these guys was pretty telling in terms of how what the pecking order looks like. Like Makai Bernard got the most work uh, in terms of snaps. Like Tavion Thomas had the most carries. He had 12 carries. Um, but but Makai Bernard was on the field for 37 snaps. Tavion Thomas was only on the field for 15 snaps. Interesting. So, yeah. So in a, in a way, like, yeah, like, Tavion Thomas really, really looked the part of a starting running back, but um, I think it's it's pretty telling that you know twelve of the fifteen snaps were were carries, um, and, and whereas M- Micah Bernard, you know, played thirty seven snaps. You know, he was involved uh, in the passing game very heavily. He was almost featured in the in the passing game. You know, on the on the first couple of possessions. And then kind of got things going in the running game as well. So, you know, I, I still still think that that Tavion Thomas is a guy that maybe needs a little bit of time to to still kind of pick things up. And I think this the snap count kind of indicates that as well. I, I, I'm also curious too, like you know, if TJ Pledger does catch that touchdown pass, what his snap count looks like last night. I, I do think that maybe that had you know an impact on you know his his playing time last night. Um, but regardless, like all four of them, you know, got a little bit, at least a little bit of work where we could see some things from them. Um, you know, Chris Curry had, you know, a nice little, I think seven yard run down towards the red zone. TJ Pledger had a couple five yard runs as well. Um, you know, so, so we'll see, but I, I, I think, I think you're spot on Tom, like this is going to be a, a, a Micah Bernard and, uh, a Makai Bernard and a Tavion Thomas show uh, moving forward. At least, you know, in, in my opinion, I think those two really kind of took hold of of the uh, of the group defensively. And, and you know, let's not beat around the bush here. We don't need to waste everybody's time. Utah on the defensive line is stacked as they are every year. They're deep. They've got a lot of guys that are going to rush the uh, the opposing quarterback and cause chaos there. So we don't need to talk a ton about 
the defensive front. But uh, and you know what? We probably don't even need to talk too much about Devin Lloyd because that guy's a monster. Oh, he's, he's arguably he's arguably you, the greatest linebacker to, get, to ever come out of Utah. You could certainly make a, an argument for that. He forced or had a role to play Reach. in. Two turnovers. I mean, he he is just, uh, and he's a leader, Steve. My word, he is directing traffic every second that he's out there. He is who people look for on that defense, and uh, and and he is a special, special talent. So we don't need to talk yeah. too much about him because I think the Utah fans uh, are pretty sold on on everything Devin Lloyd. Uh, possesses. Let's talk about the the, the secondary uh, and the safety okay. position in particular, because I thought Brandon McKinney actually showed um, a, a fair bit. He he looked pretty comfortable back there playing playing the role of safety uh, and 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 caused some disruption throughout the course of, of of the evening. Yeah, no, I I agree with you, Tom. I think you know I was didn't know kind of what to expect from Brandon McKinney. Um, but I, I, I liked what I saw from him. He played 51 snaps last night, um, you know, and was, was active. There was really good. He brought, you know, really good athleticism to the field last night, which, you know, that's going to be an intriguing thing to, to see kind of how, you know, his play evolves as he gets more comfortable. Like obviously, you know, to, to be on the field, you have to have, you have to have your, your assignments and, and where you got to be lined up. You have to have that, you know, down pretty, you know, pat. Um, but still, it, it's it's just a matter of getting more used to certain things, more comfortable with things. And I think that's something that Brandon McKinney is really going to to benefit from, you know. But he played, um, he played a really interesting kind of role in terms of the snaps that he played. He was, you know, he was in the slot. He was playing free safety. He was also in the box. So this, you know, and that just kind of shows his versatility and what he brings to the field. So, uh, you know, I think, you know, there was a lot of excitement for the the freshmen in, in Cole Bishop and Kamoi Latu, but really, really encouraged by what we saw in, in Brandon McKinney. And then likewise, like if we're talking safeties, like I think Vontae Davis had a, had a, you know, he didn't have the production, didn't have the numbers to his name per se. Um, but I, I liked what we saw from Davis, you know, in year two. I think, you know, obviously he had uh, just a, a killer, <laughs> a killer moment where he's he's got to give me like the quarterback just threw it up. And, you know, it, it's uh, it's an interception as long as Vontae Davis can get to it. And he's, you know, he's just he's running towards it. He's tracking the ball. He, you know, and just kind of loses his balance and falls over and, and, you know, the ball goes past him and, you know, he's, he's he got to play that off a little bit, but that's, it's, it's the type of play where his teammates are going to give him a lot of flack for it. Um, but I, I thought that Vontae Davis still had a, a pretty good game overall, despite missing on that, that gimme of an interception opportunity. So uh, yeah, man, I really, really encouraged by the safeties. You know, I think uh, last night was was a good test for this still pretty young secondary because Weber State, again, I know it's a it's an FCS school, but they've got um, a really really um, good receiving corps. They've got a couple of guys that have been there now for three or four years. It's a veteran group. They've got another guy that they've brought in through the transfer portal that was a former four-star receiver at USC, Randall Grimes. Um, 
So they've got talent there as well. So this was a good test for, for this young Utah secondary. And I thought, you know, there were some mistakes that were made, you know, in coverage, but I thought overall the group, you know, had a pretty good game. Um, you know, Clark Phillips is a physical, you know, he's a physical presence, you know, despite his, you know, his size, like he's going to come in he's going to hit you and he's going to stick his nose, you know, in there and, and, and make some hits. And that was, you know, it was, it was worrisome at times. Cause you're like, Oh, don't, Clark, don't do it. Don't. Okay. And then, you know, he makes the tackle and you're like, okay, all right, he's fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I think um, there were some encouraging signs. I, I really liked the, the play that the JT Broughton made. He got beat initially on, on like a little fade route, but he had the speed to recover and make the, the pass breakup, you know, right at, uh, right at like the pylon or something like that. So um, some encouraging signs, like obviously things that these guys need to clean up, but I think uh, for the most part, this was a, you know, an encouraging performance from this young secondary. So we touched on uh, just about um, most position groups at this point. We've kind of gone through uh, and talked about what they what they did well, and there was a lot of things that a lot of t- uh, players did really well yeah. against yeah. Weber State. But but it wasn't perfect, Steve, and and we mentioned that, and and Carl Woody Cam obviously referenced that pretty heavily in his post game press conference. So so what are, what are the biggest concerns? What, what are the biggest concerns, Utah fans? should have entering um, entering BYU in, in, in just over a week's time. Uh, and let's start with, um, with, 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 with red zone offense. Did, did you feel like I, you know, there are two big, so for me anyway, then this is just me, you, you know, I more than yeah, yeah. to disagree, but it's two key elements offensively for me this year in 2021. I'm basing this off uh, last year's COVID interrupted season, but Red zone offense has, has, has always been, uh, I shouldn't say always, but, but for the past few years, you know, it, it, it could have been better. And then, of course, right. short, short yardage has also been an area of concern for Utah fans over, over recent memory anyway. So let, let's harp on those two elements for now. Do, do you feel like there's as big of a concern in both of those areas as as um as maybe there have there have been specifically in 2020 or as Utah made strides in those areas that gives you um hope moving forward that, that maybe it's not going to be as big of a battle. Well, I mean, you know, based on last night, those those concerns are still valid, right? Um yeah. you know, they they uh I think they missed three touchdown opportunities in the red zone. Um and so, you know, that was that was pretty pretty just you know it was pretty disappointing pretty discouraging to to see that like you want to see these guys capitalizing on on every opportunity in the red zone they uh i think they still came away with points on every red zone trip but you want to see those touchdowns and i think you know the tj pledger one that was one that you know maybe it's a little bit you know on his back shoulder and it's a tough grab with how how hard charlie but still you've got to make that catch and we talked about the cole the miss with, with Cole fathering him just kind of out beyond his, his stretch, his outstretched arms and that kind of thing. But still that's something that's, that's a play that he's, he's got to make. And then the other one was the fourth and one where Utah gets stuffed. And I know the offensive line is going to get, get the most flack for it, but that's a, that's an offense. That's the entire line because it wasn't, it wasn't the offensive line, the offensive line, the five offensive line that, you know, got push up front. Um, it wasn't clean, 
they got push up front. The tight ends, you know, on that right side allowed that allowed penetration to the inside and, and guys were able to shoot those gaps and get inside and make plays in the backfield. So, you know, it's it's a collective effort, you know, in those situations. Um, you've got to have everybody on the same page and executing at the same level when you're in those big moments, right? Those power yardage moments and in those scoring opportunities. Um, so yeah, I mean, so far through one game, like, yeah, those, those concerns are still valid. And, and I think the, that's probably those two things are probably the, the biggest concerns right now. I think for a lot of fans, um, you know, there, there were some drops last night and like you fans, uh, you fans are, are pretty scarred with, with drops, um, I guess. And so, uh, you know, it's, that's going to be something that you hope to see cleaned up. I think it'll be cleaned up, you know, as we move forward, I think this is a good, um, group of pass catchers, both tight ends and, and receivers. So I think that that'll get better. Um, I'm not too concerned about that, but yeah, I, I agree with you, Tom. I think, you know, power yardage situations and, and, and scoring opportunities in the red zone. Those are the two biggest concerns and, and are still concerns after game one. Without, without being too dramatic, Steve, um, as I can, can often be, um, <laughs> you know, if, if you, if you, if you tell us to take that next step and, and actually win a Pac-12 title, I look, I, 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 I'm a, I'm a firm believer that, that both those areas, short yardage and red zone, uh, efficiency need need to need to figure themselves out. Uh, I think yeah. Utah is a really good football team, and I believe wholeheartedly that this is an eight to nine win football team at a minimum. I think they win eight to nine games, but yeah, this is also a football team that has the potential, and that's a very key word because potential can be used in uh, in a variety of ways but in this regard this is 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 seriously a team that that if they can figure out just a handful of little things and two of the most important being short yardage and and red zone efficiency then then i i i really do firmly believe steve that this team this 2021 utah football team can win the pac 12 and can potentially contend for a rose bowl or a college football playoff appearance so i i don't want to I don't want to put too much pressure on, on on figuring both those 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 areas out, but but my word, I I just think if if they can clean it up in those two areas, there just isn't much else that you can nitpick at to say this is going to cause Utah football problems down the road. They're the two ones for me that I look at and have looked at over the course of the last two three years now. Um, and say that you know that, that that's the problem right there. That they are the yeah. areas of concern, and if we can't figure it out, we'll still have a good year. They'll still win eight nine games, but if they can figure it out, my words, Steve, this could be this could be one of the better Utah football teams that Carl Whittingham has ever led. And I don't think I don't think that's too far of a stretch. I really don't. No, I I agree with you. I think you know getting through a, a season like the, the ones the, that Utah has to, 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 to face, you know, this year in the Pac-12, you've got to be a balanced team, right? You've got to be multiple. You've got to be able to do a variety of different things. And I think, uh, I think we saw last night that Utah can be a very balanced team. You know, they can be, if, if you're going to give up the short passes, like they'll be able to do that and, and allow guys to create yardage after the catch. 
if you're going to be aggressive and get up into guys and, and force them to create yardage down the field, they, they showed that they can do that. Like, obviously, again, as we were state, um, but you know, they, they created some big chunk plays in the run game. Uh, and so, you know, you've got to be, you've got to win in those crucial moments in those power yardage moments. And I think that's, if they can do that, it makes this team again, it adds to that balance. It adds to that multiplicity that you've got to be, you've got to have in college football to win you know, at the highest of levels. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the, the, it's the fine details that really kind of separate, you know, the, the really good programs from the great programs and the great programs from the elite programs. It's, it's those tiny little details, the little things that, that really kind of separate um, those, those programs. So, now, hopefully we see Utah improve in those in those areas because I agree with you, Tom. Like I'm still very bullish on this team. You know, I've, I've said 10 wins. I've said nine wins. You know, I'd go back and forth between the two. I'm still there. Like nothing I saw last night changes that for me. Um, and if you're able to clean up some of those, those issues, some of those bugaboos, like, yeah, you've got a chance to really, really compete, you know, at a, at a high level, which, you know, that's, that's pretty exciting. I would never forgive myself if uh, if I didn't mention in this podcast um, Cameron Peasley, um, <laughs> my uh, guy from Australia, first game Bro. in a Utah uniform, and he unleashes a bomb to open his Utah campaign, yeah. his Utah career, 50-yard bomb out of the pocket. He'll be hitting more spirals this year. That's his strength. He's more of a Mitch Wishnoski than he is in myself, so he will uh, he'll probably okay. uh, do his work in the pocket, and he'll just hit bombs in 2021, which is going to be exciting. And then, of course, Jaden Redding, the returning first team All Pac-12 kicker, two for two. Uh, his long was was only was only 31. Uh, he missed his first extra point. Steve, yeah, he missed his first yeah. extra point of his entire career. I think prior to last night, he had 55 consecutive extra points made and sadly that streak came to an end against Weber State on Thursday evening he was four for five in the end on extra points but it didn't matter um and uh, and so anyway I just need to give a shout out to uh to the specialists I think this special teams unit for what it's worth is is solid uh I think Cam will only get better as the season progresses uh, Jaden is a is a quality quality kicker his con- the concern I have for Jaden is he's just he doesn't have a ton of depth. Uh, he, he uh, I shouldn't say depth. Sorry, he doesn't have a ton of range. You know, from forty-five right. plus, there is there is going to be a concern there for Utah football fans. But if you can keep all of his attempts inside that forty-five yard mark, he should be pretty good, uh, as he showed last night. He's he's like he's kind of like Louis Sukoda in that sense. And I know I'm putting him up against you know one of the greatest kickers to ever come through the Utah football program, but Louis, if you remember, pardon me, was 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 rock solid inside of about forty five yards, and then any time mm-hmm. he was asked to hit a longer field goal, that's where a, a few a few issues came into play because he just didn't have that pop, that power that some kickers like you know the Andy Phillips or specifically I should say the Matty Gay's of the world had. Matty Gay was on a different level in that regard, yeah. but I digress. Uh, Peasley. On debut, uh, performed well, looked comfortable. Reading did everything we thought he would. Britton Covey was fun, exciting, and electric. Punch returning. Uh, he didn't have a kickoff return, uh, but it all went somewhat smoothly for the special teams. Outside of, I guess, 
that 100 yard kick return that is uh yeah i'm not i i, I do not envy anybody in that special teams meeting today or uh, tomorrow whenever it takes place because that's anytime you give up a touchdown on special teams <laughs> Oh man, Steve, that yeah. meeting is not fun. I, you know, and even as a punter <laughs> that had absolutely nothing to do with that, uh, you just don't want to be in the room. You, it's just a bad just, place to be. Just worrying uh, for your brothers. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm like, rest in peace, guys. I'm out of here. <laughs> See ya. I'm going to the ping pong table. <laughs> Uh, anyway, <laughs> funny stuff. All right. Well, hey, look, all eyes now, Steve, uh, are on BYU, Arizona. It's an 8.30 kick Saturday. Um, it's obviously Utah's next opponent, which is why uh, it's going to be important. And I, I, I don't think I have to tell Utah fans to watch the game because I think there is going to be an interest in it anyway, considering it is Utah's next opponent. But we'll see what they're made of. Uh, Jaron Hall was announced as the quarterback. I personally think Jaron Hall is a, a very, very talented player. He's obviously had his injury wo- woes over the years. Uh, but if he can stay healthy and suit up against Utah, it'll be a good test. It'll be a really good test for this Utah team uh, early in the season. And I say that with, uh, with of course, all due respect to, uh, to all the Utah fans out there that hate BYU. I, I, look, I get it, but I kind of don't get it at the same time. It doesn't matter. BYU isn't that bad of a football team they will likely cause utah slight concern how much only time will tell but it'll be a fun contest i think that's you know specifically early in the match um yeah it'll be tight and it's always a fun game and 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 no matter the hatred between the fan bases it's just exciting uh it could because it's such a weird game steve it's just you know i've been i've been involved in games where utah was way superior way more superior than BYU, but for whatever the case, the game come the fourth quarter with just five, six minutes left seems to be close. Now, there have been games that that hasn't taken place, um, but there have been more games that it's been close than than not. So uh, so it's exciting. And, and what I love about these games, what I love the most is you learn so much about both teams. If you're a BYU fan, you'll learn a ton about the Cougars. And if you're a Utah fan, you'll learn a ton about your Utes because it's just such a fierce contest and it's fun. It's good. It's, it's the sort oh, yeah. of games we like to see, no matter the hatred. It's a fun affair between two teams that historically have never gotten along very well. So anywho, 8.30, BYU plays um, Arizona, uh, you know, to, to, to entice Utah fans even more reason to, to watch the game. They're playing a Pac-12 South opponent. It's in Las Vegas. It's at Gillette Stadium. Uh, and it's meant to be, there's meant to be like 55, I think 50, last time I saw it was like 55,000 tickets had been sold. So there's going to be quite the mm. atmosphere in there. And uh, ah, it'll be fun. It's a, something to look forward to on a Saturday night. Is it not, Steve? You'll be watching, I'm sure, won't you? Yeah, sure. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> what are you talking about? I mean, Steve, I don't understand people like you. You hate BYU that oh. much, but but they're playing Utah. No. I feel like you have to watch them. No, it's not hate, Tom. It's not hate. It's it's not. It's not hate, Tom. It's not. It's, uh, you know, what if there's another game on? Like, that's all I'm saying. I'm like, yeah, I'll, 
probably I'll probably end up watching it. But I'm just saying, if there's another game on, like yeah, I might watch that too. That's all I'm saying, though. That's all. I'm oh, saying. okay. No, I'll let you watch multiple games. I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to tell you what games you can and can't watch. I'm just saying Utah's playing BYU next, and BYU's playing Arizona on Saturday night. I'm. I think I. I I only have one television, Steve. I'm not on your sort of money. Yeah. But, uh, uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll have to pick and choose carefully as to what game I, I watch. But I, I'm looking forward to it. I, 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 think, I think it'll be fun. Um, yeah. If BYU gets up, then even even better for all I care. It'll make the, that rivalry week that much more entertaining and the banter between it'll the be fan fun. bases. Woo, here we go. All right, college football's back. He's Steve Bartle. Check him out on Twitter at sbartle247. I'm Tom Hackett. Check me out at TomCantHackett. Uturn.com is where you can find Steve's work. Seven-day free trial for all you Utah football junkies. If you're not a member, you're a fool. Check it out for free if you like it. Keep, keep going. If you don't, no stress. But you're trying to keep the lights on for Steve, so do him a favor and bloody sign up. <laughs> uh, KSL Sports is where you can find some of my work. Anywho, Nate Wade Subaru, I have to mention them. They're our sponsor. We love and appreciate them. If you're driving a Subaru, you want to get into a new model, call them. You'll thank us for it later. Steve, my man, try and get some rest. You've had a busy couple of days, so uh, I'm sure you're looking forward to it. On the grind, Tom. Steve's in mid grind time. Yeah, Steve's in mid-season form, if you can't tell already. That's, uh, that's a true <laughs> professional. Steve, you're the man. Much love to you, my man, and uh, best of luck the rest of the way. We'll talk over the course of the weekend to next week, but enjoy it nonetheless. And uh, we'll be back with you guys in about a week's time. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.